This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is 7 o'clock here in the big room at Odyssey Headquarters, WIP. Uh, the second to last show of this version of the WIP Morning Show. A new improved version will start on Monday. And uh, we will be uh, talking very shortly. Glenn Mack is already here, Al. Mm-hmm. And he remembers when we had a TV program. Remember oh, yeah, that thing? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people, you know, watched that before they heard this. Yeah, pr- uh, Prism. Right, and I'll say this, Al, we were never that good at this, the radio thing, Yeah, but we were horrible at TV. Eh, we didn't know. We, <laughs> nobody that knew anything. That was a great we, show. We, no, we, I love that show. It was, it was, it was only good because it was bad. You understand? Yeah. Uh, so many people have told me they watch a TV show because your dog Fenway was on Yes, it. the dog was and, well-trained. It was a great dog. Fenway was a great dog. No other TV talk show. Ever had a regular as a door, no. <laughs> and people out would watch to see if he ever got off. Stan Hoffman th- <laughs> said, "I drugged the dog." I said, "I didn't drug the dog. I just trained no. the damn dog." <laughs> that would work. All right, lots more in this hour. Uh, we are going to get into uh, what happened with the refs a little later in the hour. But on the line with us right now is a man that I love working with, admire tremendously his work, and am currently beyond belief angry and upset with him. Okay. His name is Marcus Hayes from TheAcquire.com and right here at WIP. Hi, Marcus. Hey, guys. How you doing? Marcus, when you were in Arizona, did you have a tough sight line? Was it possible you did actually get to see the second half of the game? <laughs> you know, Philadelphia is weird. It's just <laughs> right. a weird place. I mean, if Jonathan Gannon doesn't coach well, if Jonathan Gannon's players – are the reason that the team is good. And Jonathan Gannon, if his players don't play well, is the reason the team is bad. There's no way for him to win. Like, it's just, it, he, he became a better coach the last 25 games of his tenure in Philadelphia. But Philadelphia is the kind of place that never wants to admit it's wrong. So if there's a smidgen of evidence that can prove that they are right, even though they're wrong. It will, they will always overemphasize that evidence. It, right. it's, it's consistent for my 28 years here. As is your smugness. <laughs> All right, Marcus, and let me just start with this. All right, Marcus, um, if you would like to argue that he coached well but they played badly, then could you – how have you rationalized – the fact that two of the touchdowns, no receivers were covered at all. That is the players, not the coach. That's your argument. Well, obviously, yes, because, number one, that's not true. Not None of the receivers, all of the receivers were not open. 
Well, that's you impossible. Yeah. <laughs> all, right. all of the receivers were not open. The receiver so that, that, that went in motion and was designed to catch the ball was wide open. It was yes, the, the third time that play has worked against Gannon's defense, but it's not Gannon's fault. That's your argument. If you look at the players, you can see them telling each other, you are supposed to do this and you didn't do it. So if they know what they're supposed to do and don't do it, it's not Gannon's fault. He's told them what to do. They have failed to execute it. Well, I'm going to flip what you just said then. You just said, how can a defensive coordinator ever win? If they do well, it's the players. If they do badly, it's the coordinator. If you gave up four, basically four touchdown drives in the, in the second half of a Super Bowl game, and you're not going to place the blame on the coordinator, when would you? Again, the body of work tells us that these guys are well-coached and generally execute well. If this is the outlier. That's my point. Even in the first half, they were well-coached and executed generally well. But if the outlier is in the second half of the Super Bowl and determines the fate of an entire season, you do not weigh that failure, that epic fail? That's okay I am because... not saying that... I'm not saying that Jonathan Gannon outcoached Andy Reid. Oh, no, Jonathan Gannon was not, was not perfect. Jonathan Gannon did not make every call perfectly. My point is, the body of work of the season indicates that Jonathan Gannon became a much better defensive coordinator in the last 25 to you know, 27 games than he was at the beginning. We all were on the same train when they were blitzing 10% of the time through the first six or seven games of his career as a defensive coordinator. But that increased to about 20% of the time by the end of last season. And I think it was around 20% of the time this year as well, despite losing Avante Maddox and C.J. Gardner-Johnson, his two best blitzers, for about six games. So Marcus, we uh, agree that Jonathan Gannon isn't perfect. But no, no, that, say, that, no one is saying he isn't perfect. We are saying he sucks. Right. You understand? That, that this is oh, not perfect. There's not say, perfect. Is uh, he's seventy percent good? He sucks. The understand? Okay. The whole city thinks that, Marcus. Well, apparently the Eagles disagree with you because not only did they employ him, they scrambled to keep him by making him the most a highly paid defensive coordinator in the game. Number one. Number two. Think what you like about you know Arizona. They also don't think he sucks. Neither did Houston, who interviewed him twice. All right, I, uh, I, you were there. Did they black the game out in Arizona? Is that why the Arizona coaching staff didn't see what happened in the second half? Again, I mean, Jonathan Gannon does not suck. He may not be as good as Andy Reid. And let's understand something here. Andy Reid, despite your personal distaste for him, is the best coach in football right now. All right, stop. And Patrick Mahomes is by far the best player in football right now. So if Jonathan Gannon loses in the second half to the best coach and the best player who had the best team, that is not an indication of sucking. That's an indication that he's not as good as the best. Marcus, uh, you said in your most recent column that losing him, that losing Gannon, is catastrophic to the Eagles. Could you explain why that would be? Well, he's really good. 
for one thing. <laughs> he had the number two defense in the league. He had the number one pass defense in the league. And they almost set an NFL record in sacks. So that is a body of work that I consider to be pretty good. Furthermore, they do not have in-house, unlike on the offensive side, they do not have in-house multiple candidates to replace him. And they're in a position of massive transition because I think it's seven or eight guys that they could lose via free agency. I think they'll probably lose around six. But you're going to have somebody to come, have to come in and replace six significant players. And even if they, say, promote Denard Wilson, the defensive backs coach, his system isn't going to be identical. And the way he runs media isn't going to be identical. What, losing a, a good coordinator two years in who just implemented a system that really none of us likes but was effective is a catastrophic thing to happen for a team who expects to go to the Super Bowl next year, especially when you look at all the personnel coming back on the offensive side of the ball. All right, but you just did make a good argument, Marcus, that it's going to be difficult to field this talented team given the salary cap, and you're going to lose, you just said, six players, let's say. So was this an incredible opportunity squandered by what happened in that Super Bowl, especially in the fourth quarter? Yeah, it's uh, getting beat by the better team is always disappointing. And I think they took it as much advantage of the opportunity as they could. And it's, it's unfortunate. But this is a really, really good team, a really talented team, and a really well-coached team on both sides of the ball. You know, I think the big issue with them coaching this year consistently was special teams. And I, I would be intrigued to see where they go with that. If you want to talk about sucks. You could talk about the special teams consistently this year. But, you know, it's not like they made gigantic mistakes and lost a game to a fluke team. They lost to the number one offense with the number one coach and the number one quarterback. And honestly, an offensive line that I vastly underrated and mischaracterized. And I think a lot of people did. Marcus, uh I want to thank you for all you have done, especially as a co-host in the last few years with us. And uh, I want to say I feel we've come full circle. <laughs> I originally couldn't stand it. Then I really enjoyed you. And now I can't stand you again. So we've come all the way around. But, Marcus, I respect your work and I respect your intellect. And I thank you for coming on.